welcome to the Ordinary Day Podcast. My name is Pete. And I am Diane. And we're the lovely couple that just keeps bringing on the fun. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I was actually going to say my name is Angry Pete because I am a little bit, I'm a little bit peeved. Yes. Peeved today. That is a good way to describe it. Um, Do you care to get into this? Well, this will be my first story. Mm-hmm. First story for today. We'll talk about that. Um, before we get into our stories, we always do a little bit of a recap. What's new with us this week? Uh-oh, you're giving a blank face. You're like, I don't remember anything. What have I done this week? You know what I haven't talked about is the uh, Frisbee League that I'm playing in. There you go. Right now, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so it's part of the Toronto Ultimate Club. And this league, they call it the Parity League. And what that means is every team is given an arbitrary salary cap. We don't actually get paid. It's an arbitrary number. Um, And they have to remain below that salary cap. And after each game, each player is given a quote-unquote salary, like a respective number based on their stats, how many points they've scored, how many assists they have, how many many defensive plays, um, and how many throwaways. Uh, So your salary changes each week, and your team's salary cap also changes each week based on, you know, did they win by a lot? Did they lose by a lot? What's going on? Uh, So It's it's not the team's salary cap changes. It's the player's cap changes, so they have to make trades in order to stay under their cap, correct? Well, I think the team's cap changes too. If you suddenly become very good, your cap gets smaller. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's lots of changing going on. So every week you basically get an email on the Monday saying you are now part of this team uh, for your game that's on Wednesday. Uh, So it's really interesting, and it's a different dynamic. Oftentimes you're playing with completely different teams or players every week. Um, So it's just kind of an interesting way to do it. Uh, My brother's played it a lot and has always had good things to say about it. And I guess, I don't know, I didn't realize it was co-ed or that I could have done it. I don't know. So it came up that uh, they had room in certain leagues on certain nights for ladies, and that was one of them. And I thought, I'll give it a try. And it's been quite fun. It makes a lot of sense for your brother because there's two things about your brother. First of all, he's he, he's a very good athlete. Like He's one of the best athletes I've ever probably met in my life. Um, I didn't really, I guess, hang out with athletes when I was younger, so maybe that's part of it, but... Uh, everything I've seen him do, he kind of really excel, excels at, mm-hmm. um, both in hockey and in uh, Ultimate, this Frisbee game you guys like to play, this new thing that all the kids are playing. <laughs> um, but the other thing is he went to school for sports management, and I find that this league is a very interesting kind of take on this sports management where you're kind of keeping in mind the idea of a salary cap and uh, how much it takes to run a, a team or something. Like, yes, There's true. a little bit of that in there. It's kind of a neat extra intrigue to keep it uh, fresh. Yeah, and a lot of the uh, team captains like to watch other games so they can get to know the players. And I think a lot of players are returning players, so they're well-known. I was new this time around, so I had no idea what to expect. Rookie With season. me, rookie season, um, my first team captain basically said, I didn't know who you were when I drafted you, so I just picked, and it turned out okay. (laughs) I was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've heard that Kishis are good. No, I don't think he recognized that. I think they all know it now. Ah. But it's funny. I had someone recently on Facebook, too, just kind of type in, wait, are you related you to Matt? Uh, your <laughs> like, brother, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's been fun. And I stayed with one team for quite a while, and then I got traded. Um, and I've been traded a bit now. Um, mm. So it's it's interesting. And the ongoing joke is both you and your brother are playing in this league, and you've never once tied into playing together or against each other. Correct. At this point. We almost did last week, and then we both got traded from our teams <laughs> that were supposed to play each other. So yeah. that yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, it is. So that's been my experience so far. It's been cool. Very cool. Um, all my stories this week are going to be my stories for the news, I cool. guess, segment of this. That's fine. So I don't know. We can just fast forward into that. We talked all about our Niagara trip. I feel like that was the biggest thing that we've been doing recently. Mm-hmm. And then since then, it's just been business as usual. Yes, you play catch been, up at yeah, work. Is, <laughs> yeah, I take one day off and then I had to pay for it for the whole week this week. So it's it was been yeah, a pretty brutal week. Um, but what I will talk about is, I guess, my, my first news story or whatever will be my my adventure into the world of building a PC, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, it's something that I've been playing around with for a while. And as, as uh, Apple has changed so much since uh, Jobs is passing, I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I'd like their computers anymore. And yes. certainly the last few have been really terrible when they released the, there was a, a new model where it looked like a little wastebasket. And I was like, what What are they oh, thinking? yes. And I remember then, you uh, showing me videos of that. Yeah. And then... Uh, most recently, they have this new laptop, which has like a touch strip on the very top, which is like a touch screen, but not. And it's just horribly expensive. And they're not they're not like keeping up with the rest of the industry anymore. They used to be industry leaders. And now it's like, oh, those Samsung phones are are really becoming a big seller. We should make the iPhone giant now, too, to appease that new market. And it's like, I don't want a giant phone like mm-hmm. uh, everything that's new going on with this uh, them specifically is not it's not speaking to me anymore and i guess that's that's a common theme with lots of things <laughs> i guess i'm just getting old <laughs> but most most technology music whatever movies things are just not um going where i want to go but i've always been playing with the idea of well maybe i'll just I'll build my own PC now. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to run Windows. Maybe I'll get into Linux. I'm a web programmer. I already deal with uh, programming and scripts and stuff like that. I like that freedom of being able to build whatever you want to build. Yes, I can um, see that, definitely. So I could see, oh, that might be kind of interesting. So two really interesting things sort of came up. One was the release of this mini NES platform which uh, we talked about on our podcast uh, briefly, came out near Christmas time of last year. It was supposed to be a small platform that looked like looked like the old Nintendo Entertainment System, and it came uh, pre-packed with 30 games or something for $60. Mm-hmm. As soon as that came out, it was uh, not available anywhere, and on eBay it quickly became a $300 item. Um, so I was looking up online and I found out, oh, there's two things I can do here. One, uh, 
I don't necessarily like the NES as much as the Super Nintendo or other games. I could build my own small computer. I could make it look like whatever I want it to look like. <laughs> and I could have thousands of my favorite retro games on it. Um, it's a bit of a, I guess, legal gray area. But as long as you... The way the rules are is as long as you are putting games that you've already owned on it, it's okay. technically cool. That seems fair. Um, just in the spirit of, uh, what is it called? Archiving, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're, you already purchased these items, so you, you can use them. Um, and also a lot of the licenses on these old games don't exist anymore. Like people don't, there's no company that owns some of these properties. So really it's not wrong to download, I guess, a ROM version of it. Uh, it's, it's interesting gray area, but we'll talk about that some other time. But anyway, the idea came in my mind. I, I heard about this Raspberry Pi, this uh, ability to get a small computer and basically you build it yourself. You get all the little pieces. You start off with a board. You got a shell. Then you just need to get a memory card, fill it with the software, the OS. That is the Raspberry Pi. And it's not a dessert dish. It's a computer. <laughs> yep. And uh Basically, you can customize it all yourself. And this weekend, it has not worked. I finally got all my pieces, got it in the mail, and I'm putting it all together. And there is a something going wrong with the operating system. And it is just really frustrating. Yeah, because it was something that you said would be very simple. And there's instructions on the internet. And a whole bunch of people have done it. Yep. And they say, press this button, and it's done. And that just isn't working. And you've tried it on my PC and you tried it on your Apple computer. Yeah. Um, well, this is yeah. the frustrating part is I, I, I'm i a very smart guy as far as technology goes. And mm-hmm. I, I'm always, <laughs> you know, I laugh at others who don't understand simple things on the Internet. The thing is, this is not as simple as I realized once I really got into the steps. Um, okay. On PC, it's pretty straightforward. On the Apple computer, it's much more complicated to install things. Um, You have to get into the back coding. You have to create new users. You have to create a root user. You have to get into terminal hacking, and it's uh, it's a little scary. That sounds serious. Is it's serious and it's uh, it's needlessly complicated. Let's just say usually you download things from the internet and you just double click and you open it and then a little pop-up says, are you sure you want to do this? Security risks might yes. <laughs> cause a big problem. Um, in this, it's not even that. You have to like manually go into your system and uh, basically tweak stuff that is kind of creepy. Yeah. Anyway, it would all be great if it worked, but it doesn't. So that's the end of that for now. All right. So maybe an update. You're going to try it at work, maybe. I'll maybe try it on some other card. computers. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Well, that is that. That's why you're frustrated, Pete. Absolutely. Slash angry Pete. <laughs> Annoyed Pete. <laughs> Slash drink some beer, Pete. Yes, definitely. Okay, so how about a more lighthearted story? <laughs> I'm noticing on your iPad it just says F. Yes. All you see is F Brooklyn. <laughs> 
Oh, I just see F. <laughs> yes. F, F, F star. Okay. Uh, so this is an article from theplayerstribune.com. And that website just contains a bunch of articles from professional athletes. And I really enjoyed reading some of them because it's just really neat to see uh, how well some professional athletes write that contribute to this uh, website. Um, from Jose Bautista, there's been uh, Patrick Patterson, uh, a whole host of, of gentlemen who I really love watching play their professional sports, but who can also write very well. Uh, so this one is from Terrence Ross. He uh, was recently traded. Was recently traded to Orlando from the Toronto Raptors. From the Toronto Raptors, um, a couple of years ago, he was in the slam dunk contest of the yeah, NBA All Star Game. Like five years ago. Yeah. So and he was brought here as a really young player, and he's been here for about five years, and uh, has now been traded. And this is essentially his. He calls it, thank you, Toronto. So it's essentially his kind of thank you letter to Toronto. Okay. And a lot of it centers on the 2014 Raptors playoff run. Bring on the cuckoos. Uh, well, maybe I'll just say F Brooklyn. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> we haven't had them for a while. Um, so that story, if you are a Toronto Raptors fan, you probably kind of understand what we're getting at. Um, yeah. But F. Brooklyn was essentially the general manager of the Toronto Raptors when outside the ACC where they play on game one of their playoff game or their home game. Against the Brooklyn Nets. Against the Brooklyn Nets. There is a huge crowd of people out there. Yeah. And he just says F. Brooklyn and everyone goes wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, it's a great way to get a reaction from fans. But I yes. do remember... As with anything in a public space, I was a, a bit of a media blitz against this gentleman who had to go on and apologize and recount what they said. They felt great in the moment. You could tell he was just full of adrenaline and he was just getting pumped up about mm-hmm. the game. But like, that's really not a good thing to say if you really think about it. Well, small digression because I want to focus on Terrence Ross. Let's, let's focus on Terrence. <laughs> we'll get back to that later. Writing. Yeah. Um, but this was essentially, this was the first year that the Toronto Raptors made a big playoff run in a long time. Um, we had our Kyle Lowry, our DeMar DeRozan really playing well. And we had our other starters who maybe weren't as well known, but together as a team, it was really awesome. Yeah. And this article starts off by talking about how the players were in the locker room. They're a little bit nervous for this game. Um, you know, it's the first time they've made the playoffs. They're just trying to, like, get in the zone. And they've kind of got the TV playing on the side. And all of a sudden, this guy says, F Brooklyn. The crowd goes wild. Yeah. And the players start taking off their headphones and start going over the TV, being like, what's going on? And they pan out from just that view of the general manager and they see how many people are outside this court, basically this like courtyard space. They called it Jurassic Park from there on out yeah. outside the ACC. And it was packed with people. Yeah. Absolutely full. And it basically, the Toronto Raptors were like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> basically, it looks like the entire city is here to cheer us on for this playoff game. And a lot of that letter is just to say, you know, thanks to the fans and to the team, right? to every single member of the team, from the general managers, to the strength and conditioning coaches, uh, to the security guys. Everyone's just one big family. He really loved his time here and he was really sad to be leaving. Okay. 
Well, that's yes. good then. That's that's a nice thing to say. Yes. He also mentioned, uh, so the, was it just last year that we played LeBron James in yeah. the playoffs? Yeah. Um, and we did end up losing yeah, but that game. That whole to year. Then. Yeah. And, but what he did mention was, so we were playing against LeBron James. We lost. We were at home. But the crowd the entire time after the game was over was just let's go Raptors. Yes. To the point where someone was trying to interview LeBron James, yeah. arguably one of the biggest athletes in the world right now. Certainly in NBA, yeah. And LeBron James had to stop and be like, do wow. you guys hear the crowd right now? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm being interrupted <laughs> by this crowd of people. And yeah. he was overwhelmed. And to stop someone like that in their tracks during an interview is pretty insane. And I think shows just what pride we have in our team, which is pretty awesome. And again, Terrence Ross was just kind of pointing that out and saying, you know, I'm really going to miss this because a lot of other teams don't have that. They could have three or four teams in their state, maybe even a couple of teams in their own city. So they don't have that coming together of basically we have an entire country. If you're a basketball fan, oh, yeah. might be behind this team. Absolutely. And you've given me like a couple examples of this. You, you once shared a story of like the Phoenix team in the NHL, right? Yes. Where they'll be at the gym Yep. in their hometown mm-hmm. or sorry, the hometown of the team. Yep. And no one will recognize them. Nope. Meanwhile, if you stuck the Tro- any player of the Toronto Maple Leafs in a gym in Toronto, yeah. they'd be harassed <laughs> because people would know who they were immediately. Yeah, and maybe even outside of Toronto. Like, they mm-hmm. could probably be in Vancouver and get recognized. Yep. Which is very, very far away mm-hmm. for you Americans who do not realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, like, you have teams like Ottawa in the NHL who are always struggling to get, like, attendance in their uh in their arena even though it's a it's a good team they're always like having a hard time whereas like the leafs are constantly packed even though they're terrible most of the time maybe this year is different it is interesting how much fandom has come to the little basketball team that could the toronto raptors yes definitely yeah. um and i have you know heard comparisons from uh journalists that go to a, a Leafs game versus a Raptors game and kind of enjoy the Raptors game a little bit more oh, yeah? just because the fans are really that much more into it. I can't mm. quote it. I believe it was the Toronto Star where I was reading it. They're um, more into it. They just seemed more excited. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, you get a lot of the corporate business people going right? who maybe are there for other reasons other than purely because you're a fan of the it's Toronto Maple Leafs. expensive business meeting, but yeah, all right. <laughs> um, well, those are the people that can afford the tickets. Right. Um, whereas you see a little bit different demographic with uh, the Toronto Raptors. That's neat to me, if I may take a slight tangent again. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I mean, I remember when the Raptors started. You would have only been like seven years old, but mm-hmm. it was a big deal in 1995 when there was finally a Canadian team and it was going to be in a city close to where I was living at the time. And there was going to be one in Vancouver too. It was like, whoa, Canada is in the NBA. It was so exciting because I can finally see these NBA players that I collect like cards for, but mm-hmm. don't, I've never actually seen them play because it was like on cable or something that not poor, poor little Pete family doesn't have. Anyway, that was so exciting. That was cool. And I remember going to my first Raptors game many, many years later when Vince Carter was playing with them. And it seemed like at the time, 
the way they ran those basketball games is they filled so much other stuff in. Okay. Like they would have something interesting going on at every time out. Right. Like, here's a guy doing cartwheels. Here's a guy <laughs> juggling fiery flames. They'd stick like a balloon, like almost a blimp-sized balloon, and have it go flying through the stadium at one point. <laughs> no way. And uh, yeah, there's just there was just always something going on. And I came out of those games going, "You guys should go to Raptors games. They're exciting. Mm-hmm. It's like even if you don't like basketball, there's always something going on. Like the <laughs> halftime shows were incredible in the first uh, mm-hmm. first decade." Um, Fast forward to when you and me started going, mm-hmm. there was nothing in the in the timeouts. The halftime shows have become often just little kids running back and forth in the uh, on the court yep. doing some charity event something. Mm-hmm. They're far less uh, exciting outside of the basketball game themselves. So I think you are making a, a valid point that I guess the audience now is actually there to watch the game and don't need other things to entertain them <laughs> by going, oh, okay, okay, fine, we'll go to the basketball game. At least there's, a, you know, it's like watching the Super Bowl, and at least there's some cool commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it seemed at first when they were trying to get basketball to really grow in Toronto. No, yeah, and I think they've done, uh, it's definitely grown. They've done a good job. We now have, they're called Raptors 905. They're kind of like our little farm team that you can go watch, kind of like the Toronto Marlies yep. to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. Uh, and they're, you know, growing the sport. Isn't that where uh, Joseph Curtis? No. What's his name? Number six. Corey. Corey. Oh, my goodness, Curtis. <laughs> it's like, his name's not Cujo. <laughs> that was the hockey player. Kojo. Mm-hmm. Corey, yes. Wasn't he part of that? I don't know if he was a Raptors 905er, but he's, he's from, from... Scarborough, right? He's from Canada, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've had, uh, you know, a couple of Canadian players really make it as well, like Andrew Wiggins. Oh, yeah, uh, So Wiggins. that has definitely brought up our Canadian spotlight a little bit in this sport. Yeah. Uh, so not only Toronto, but around the NBA as well. Yeah, Summer Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just the USA demolishing everyone all the time. Yes. Actually, that was interesting in the Olympics because a lot of the Toronto Raptors yeah. played for other teams. Right. Because we had someone uh, in Argentina. We had Valanchunas. Right. We've got our American players. We've got our Canadian players. Mm-hmm. Kind of all over. So that was fun. It's a great representation well for Toronto as a team, too, mm-hmm. though, to have such a wide diversity of players. Yes, I agree. So, so uh, one more thing. The new player we have yes. that we traded for, his name is Serge Ibaka. Serge. He's actually from Congo in Africa. Nice. Yes. Uh, seems to have some impressive skills. Still still too soon to say. I, I, I haven't formed an opinion on his game yet. Yes. Well, I also haven't seen very much no. of him. Uh, but that is who we have. So we'll see how we do the remaining games. I think we've won a couple more games in the last little while. We had a bit of a losing streak there for a bit. And Kyle Lowry is out for a couple of weeks. He's had some wrist surgery. So. Ouch. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, welcome to Surge. <laughs> welcome, Surge. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, the only thing I know about him is he looks like a, a larger version of Vince Carter. He has certain traits that remind me of Vince. Hmm. Facial expressions, general look, but he's big. <laughs> yes. Big guy. All right, story three. Oh, is this me now? Yes, if you'd like to. 
I can I can go again <clears throat> if you want me to. <laughs> I'm uh I'm I'm toying through two different subjects. Okay. I, f- I found this article. It's more like a quiz. Of, do you know what it was like to be healthy 100 years ago? Oh, where is this from? Uh, it's from the Chive, and I thought okay. maybe this would resonate interesting with you. Probably. We could try this. I haven't even looked at it yet, so this would be a total Ooh, this could be fly in the pants. <laughs> <laughs> Load it up. This is like I needed something else to talk about. Um, not sure if I wanted to complain about the pie or not. So I'm not really sure what this is going to tell us, but um, I believe it's just that, you know, how diets are almost like fads. Mm-hmm. They always change. Yep. And I believe this information is from the 1900s. Cool. So doctors probably may have been driven by other factors. I remember like... There's had less information. Like we know so much more now about what causes things yeah. and how to cure things. And we've invented lots of things to cure those things. Yeah, there's that. But there's also was a different... I don't know if it was a marketing knowledge was taking over because I remember there was a time when doctors even didn't say smoking was bad for you because like Marlboro was sponsoring them or something like... Oh, was that real? That was a thing? It was a different, it was a different time. I don't know. Anyway, okay. let, let's try it. Yeah, load it up. Let's try a couple questions and see cool. how this goes. So the first question is, what is the equation adults should use to determine their ideal weight? And you have four oh. choices here. Well, I can tell you what it is right now. Well, what is it really? It's kilograms divided by meters squared. Kilograms divided by yeah. Okay. It's so body mass index. So I guess before the body mass index in uh-huh. existed, it's a multiplying number of inches over five feet in height Okay. by five and a half and then add 110. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or add 100 to your age and subtract 30. Nice. Okay. No, I don't think that, that works. That doesn't make sense. That would make me very, very skinny. <laughs> yeah, all of us. Everyone would have to be like under uh-huh. 100 pounds. Multiply your age by three and a half. Okay. Add five for every inch by height over five feet. Okay. That could be close. For every year of your life over 18, add two, then add 100. Okay. Every year? Oh, add 100 after. Okay. I feel like that makes me too heavy. So which one are we going with? The first one? Okay. Let's continue on. Okay. I guess it's a fun word. <laughs> to avoid droopy fat in okay. your neck, you should. <laughs> and this is something you always tell people is you can't just pick a part of your body to make smaller. Yes. Um, I can't remember where we were. It was, I think back, we were it was back fat. Someone was talking about their back fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so to uh, lose fat in your neck, you should minimize your intake of fatty foods after age 30. Right. Okay. <laughs> Preventative measure. Massage your neck vigorously. <laughs> okay. okay. Minimize your intake of fatty foods after age 30. Wow, it appeared again. Hmm. That's good job on the quiz, Chad. <laughs> uh, do 30 jumping jacks before 12 noon daily. Interesting. That sounds the most like old timey to me. Yeah, that sounds pretty funny. Okay. Oh, wrong. What was the right <sighs> answer? The neck vigorously. Nice. That's nice. crazy. You were right in the first one. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, what's next here? Which of the following does the author of Diet and Health call out as a common weight loss 
weight loss strategy that won't actually help you. Oh, okay. So it says, this does not work. Violent exercise, <laughs> prolonged <laughs> Turkish baths, or Epsom salt baths. Okay. Don't work. Okay. What else? Avoiding bread, only sleeping on soft surfaces, drinking only cold liquids. Okay. What does not work? These all sound like things that they would say would work. Is uh, it the bread one? It's still going on. Because, Mas- oh. Massage of the belly or abdomen. Consuming excess salt. Yeah, when would consuming excess salt help? Uh, bathing in too hot water. I guess like a sauna. And lastly, this does not help you lose weight. Eating in the evening. Consuming animal flesh. Indulging in sweetened indulgencies. So that seems like the right answer now, right? Yes, but this is the things that don't help. Yeah, these don't help. And things that don't help. So that would help. Eating in the evening would not help. Oh, it would help you to lose weight. Yes. Right, right. right. You're right. Because he's got that negative in the question. Right, right, right. It's a double negative. Oh, man. So which one are we picking? Man, Chive just can't write the questions correctly. No. The, I, I don't know, the, the bread one? You want to go with bread? I'm not sure. What do you want to go with? Pick one. Just pick I wanna, one because I, I want to see the, the answer. Belly. Massage of the belly. All right. Massage the belly. Okay. So they said violent exercise and the prolonged Turkish bath and the salt bath will not help. Huh. Okay. So go ahead and do those other things that sounded ridiculous. Wow, we're only on question four. <laughs> How many calories per day should a laundress? Wow, okay. Ooh. Or any other profession which requires a woman, wow, to lift heavy objects. Eat. Um, Great. I love that they say it has to be a woman. Yes, my so eyes are ma- rolling already. <laughs> yeah, don't fall over. <laughs> how many calories per day should this person eat? Okay, where are the options? 1,000 uh, to 1,500. Uh-huh. 1,500 to 2,000. Okay. 2,000 to 2,500. Okay. 2,500, 2,000. I wouldn't know how to measure that. What would they say in the 1900s? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think. Would they think that the woman... So it's a woman profession, so they probably think that she doesn't need to eat a lot. Right. So like 1,500? Let's go with 15. 15 is wrong. They went with the maximum. Oh, okay. Wow. Any woman with that, with that kind of occupation should eat 2,500 to 3,000 calories per day. What's their recommendations? Quite a bit. I can't, I can't really put that into an, an image to see how much food that would be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a normal diet is about 2,000 calories a day. Yeah, so and like yesterday we went to Starbucks and more. Your, your drink probably had 500 calories in it. Alone. Yeah, but then I didn't eat a lot of dinner and then I exercised and then I ate a lot. Of, I don't know. No, I know you did, but I'm just saying. That's, you can get 3,000 pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. How much water does the average person need to drink in oh, the 1900s? Interesting. Now, this is interesting because I think, I think this is a, something that's grown more recently. I think the water, drink water, drink water, drink water is a more modern medicine thing, but we'll find out. They're saying eight glasses, mm-hmm. three to five pints. Okay. Three gallons per week, but no more than 24 ounces in a day. Okay. That's that's some complicated math. (laughs) Uh, The amount in ounces of your weight divided by two is how much you need to drink. How about three gallons? 
three to five pints? Oh, three gallons per week. Yeah. No, nope. it was three to five pints daily. Three to five pints of water daily. Hmm. That seems about right. It's just measured in pints. Yeah, but this is the 1900s. It's true. So some things they might have gotten close to correct. Yeah, maybe. Want to try one more question? Let's try one more. What's the ideal breakdown of a balanced diet? Oh, this could be good. 30 to 35% protein. Okay. 30 to 35% fat. Mm-hmm. 30 to 35% carbs. So equal. They're saying equal. You know what? I bet that's what they... fat, carbs. I bet that's what they recommended. That's a good call. Because it's equal. Uh, 10 to 15% protein. Okay. 25 to 30% fat. Mm -hmm. 60 to 65% carbs. That's what it is right now. Really? Something like that, yeah. That's a lot of carbs, wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, 20 to 25% protein. Mm -hmm. 10 to 15% fat. Mm -hmm. 60 to 65% carbs. So that's just switch the okay. protein and switch fat around. Switch the protein and fat around. Okay. And lastly, 60 to 65% protein. Ooh. Jeez. Wow. 25 <laughs> to 30% fat and 10 to 15% carbs. That's an Atkins diet. I was just going to say, yeah. I still say number one equals. You think they're going to balance? Oh, no. No. Something around what we have now? Mm, yeah. Number two you said was around now, right? 10 to 15% protein. Maybe it's a little bit more protein now. Maybe it's 15 to 20. So what have we learned from this? Do we feel like the 1900s were not that crazy off? They were kind of close. That's, that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what is interesting is my prof was doing a lot of reading up when he was uh, researching for his nutrition course about kind of like dieting and where the whole carbs are bad thing came out. Yeah. And growing up, it always felt like this Atkins diet came out. And that that really made this push for carbs are bad. But it was researchers back in like the early 1900s that kind of figured out that carbs would be leading to fat accumulation because uh, they noticed that bees eat um, sugar or pollen from plants and they make wax, which Mm. is a fat. So they figured if bees do that, we probably do it too. Right. So that's kind of where the whole thing originated. And then it wasn't until someone kind of patented and put it together in a nice fancy diet that right. we realized what was going on. Mm-hmm. But did they include little wings for you to put on? So you could fly around? Yeah. No. Mm. I feel like bees get more exercise than humans do. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, that was the other thing I was telling you the other day. It's like you never see a bee or a fly go in a straight line. That's they true. must always go in all directions at once. <laughs> they must consume a lot of, you know, calories just trying of to energy. get from point A to point B. Because yeah. this is so complicated. And they're also, you know, going for probably some good sugars, not these refined sugars that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of deal. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think that worked out. It was a pretty good little story three. A little fun. That is. That is fun. And actually leads very well into my next story. All right. Which is I was recently looking at the World Health Organization has basically put out a list of priority pathogens or bacteria that we have to try and find new drugs for because they are resistant to all of our uh, current antibacterial agents that we have, which I think I've talked about this uh, before. Uh, but now kind of the World Global Health Organization has come out with a list of we need to research stuff to battle these 
problems. Yeah. Um, if I were to say the names out loud, they would mean nothing. They would sound like nonsense. <laughs> I kind of want to hear a couple of them anyway. Oh, sure. I can get to that. Uh, a lot of them are found in hospital settings. So places right. where there's chronic care and they don't really, like, they kind of just spread from person to person. So they're very hard to control. Um, so, uh, one in the kind of priority one critical is Acinetobacter <laughs> bomani, uh, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, um, priority two, which is high, uh, one in that priority list is salmonella, which we'd be familiar with. Yep. Another one is gonorrhea, which <laughs> is a... Familiar term. Uh, yes, familiar term, especially if you're learning all of your sexually transmitted infections. Woo. Um, others are Staphylococcus aureus, staph infection. <laughs> what? People might know. <laughs> Streptococcus mononi. Uh, okay, you've lost us now yeah. at this point. See, that's what I mean. They, yeah. they kind of sound like nonsense, but um, these are bacteria that people may have picked up and they didn't even know it. Um, and they were just treated with an antibacterial and got better. And we might be getting into situations where you're in hospital and you pick something up and now there's no way of fighting it. Hmm. Um, so people can get really sick and get really big infections. So is this in light of, wasn't there a recent story where a woman checked into a hospital and got an antibacterial something and then died because she wasn't treated for the proper... Disease or something? Uh, no. So this was a story I shared not too long ago where she had a type of bacteria that didn't respond oh, to any... Oh, that's right. Any... This was here. Superbug. Yes. The yes. Superbug episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, so she wasn't incorrectly treated. It's just that they couldn't find anything that could kill the bacteria that she had. Right. So things that we've been able to, you know, get rid of uh, now seem to be making a comeback. So it's a little bit... Uh, nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, so they're really trying to put in some some more research. And I was reading that a lot of companies maybe pulled back on their uh, research and development for antibacterials for these specific pathogens because they were fighting them okay and everything was good and there was a lot more money to be made elsewhere, like in cancer drugs. Uh, but yeah. now they're becoming resistant. So we're not only having to create like antibacterials that you can take, but we're needing to find different ways of killing them. Uh, so whether that means trying to get through their core, so you get right in the inside of the bacteria and really zap it, or what's going on? Zap. Yes. So interesting to follow these stories. That's scary, man. I don't know. It's one of those A little bit, yeah. It's one of those things that makes me think that nature... Has a greater plan, though. Like, as much as we get fancier and fancier with our technology, nature yes. always finds a way to fight back. Yes. I would kind of agree with that that viewpoint. That, you know, we're trying to kill everything off and be smarter than everything, but it is just made in such a way that it adapts. Yeah, it's like, but as a species, we're trying to extend our expiry date. Mm -hmm. And uh, nature keeps finding a way to keep that milk getting sour, you know? It's just yep. not it's just not gonna happen. Nope. <laughs> the more stuff we put into food also to make that last, the worse it is for us. Like mm -hmm. we just keep trying to tamper and it's like nature keeps going, Nope. Not gonna happen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that was good. I feel like this turned into a health podcast. Kind of, it I guess. It started out with me having a mental health problem. <laughs> Just frustration. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we dove into a whole bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Do you have another story to share? No, not really. And actually, we're, pre- we're pretty good on time. May I share one more story? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Also sports Number related. <laughs> Bonus. Uh, so it was seven years ago last week mm. that Sidney Crosby scored the game-winning goal to win oh. Canada the gold medal in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, I was there. At the Vancouver Olympics. And while it was really fun to relive that moment and relive that goal, um, it also gets me thinking about how, you know, we have our parents that sometimes they'll bring up some famous athlete and they'll be like, yeah. oh, remember when this person did this? And to us, we have zero context and we're like, well, yeah, that was cool, but like, look what this guy can do. Yeah. And now I feel like I will have this moment where I was like, oh, that's like that Sidney Crosby goal in the 2010 Olympics. <laughs> and my kids or whoever are going to be kind of sitting there thinking, uh, well, I, I have no idea who that is, mom. Like, great. <laughs> it's like, when my dad talks about, you know, Gordie Howe or Bobby Orr, and I never saw these people in their prime, so it doesn't mean as much to me, really. Yeah. And every time you tell that story, I'll be like, I remember being in Vancouver, down mm-hmm. the street from the stadium. Yes. While a cougar from the U.S. was in the Canadian bar flirting with my younger brother. Cougar being an older lady, not an actual cougar. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was clear, but all right. There are mountains, so who knows, right? Ah, good one. All right. Mm -hmm. I think that wraps up the story. So if you have any stories about health or cougars from the mountains trying to flirt with you, please share your story with us. That would be awesome, by the way. Uh, At OrdinaryDayPodcast at gmail.com. And we'd like to thank Field Processor for our intro and outro music. You can find more information and their music uh, at FieldProcessor.com. Absolutely. So, until next time, take one more for the road. <laughs>